The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. morning and welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Emma Hurd, your host for today's show. Hope everyone out there listening is having a lovely start to the day. Later in the show, we'll be chatting about some plants and that today's guests have brought in and I'm sure many fun topics along the way. So let's wander down the garden path and I'll introduce today's guests. I have the pleasure of introducing returning guest and talented plantswoman Emmeline Bowman. Good morning, Emma. She's a landscape <laughs> architect and the Director of STEM Landscape Architecture and Design, amongst many other things. So nice to have you. It's been lovely to be here again. Yeah, this, thanks for coming in. It was a lovely morning and I saw the hot air balloons for the first time. Yeah, for a long time. they're really. looking so pretty floating up in the sky. It was. It was such a beautiful still morning and um, oh, it was just a lovely start to the day. Like I said, I hadn't seen them for years, yeah. literally. I've seen a bit lately in uh, the media about some of them coming down a bit oh. sooner than they should. Um, around like Albert Park Lake maybe and St Kilda okay. Foreshore, but yeah. which sounds terrifying. Yeah, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that they've just – I don't think they've – they haven't come down fast, but they've just maybe like the wind – I don't know. Okay. It, it didn't look – it didn't look – Fun. Well, that just means I'll never go on one now because I don't like heights that much. Yeah. I don't know why. If I'm standing in something, I don't know, I feel like a little sense of relief. Like I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think this will come, will come down, but I'm pretty terrified of heights. They're beautiful <laughs> to watch. I think I'll enjoy them from the ground. Yeah, me too. I have no desire. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, I've also got the wonderful Stephen Ryan in. We've got he's a reputable plant specialist from Dixonia Rare Plants and co presenter of the YouTube channel The Horticulturalists. Welcome, Good Stephen. Good morning. It's nice to be back again. It's been a while <clears throat> since I've been in the studio. I have to say, if somebody gives me a ticket to go up one of those balloons, I'll go. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's something I've oh, always expensive. wanted to do, but my partner's scared of heights, so yeah. it'd be me on my own. So, yeah. yes, yeah, so there, there's unlikely to be a ticket coming my way unless I go out and buy it. Oh, it's a ter- oh, <laughs> yeah, I actually have been on a hot air balloon when we went through Central Australia and 
we did it as like a school program and it was oh. fantastic. But you do feel that, oh, <laughs> but what a beautiful, like it's such a nice way to see the landscape in silence almost. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see it right at the sunrise and we had like a kangaroo jumping underneath us. And, yeah, see how mm. lovely was that? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yes. It was. And you only live once, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can only fall from one once. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly. good. Yes. We've that's come like full circle. when people circle. ask how often does planes come out of the sky and it's usually only once. Once, yeah. That you will remember. Yes. <laughs> it's a bit morbid. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we've come full circle. So hot air balloons, good from above and below. That's <laughs> exactly. right. I agree. <laughs> well, so what have, what have we brought in this morning? Anything, anything lovely? I've got some more scented varieties. Yeah. And, and I've, most of my things aren't, but they're all, oh, well, except for one I've got on the floor, which yeah. is a highly perfumed plant. So Ooh. there you go. So I've got some scent. And I haven't done anything in any sort of theme, mm, really. That's all right. It's just a mixture of bits and pieces that I thought was interesting. So mm. they're from all sorts of different places and they have completely different garden potential. So there you go. So it's just well, a mixed exciting. bag. My yeah. theme is a bit of smell, but what I had flowering. I was <laughs> a little bit <laughs> short of time yesterday and I sort of went through and I was like, oh, these are really nice. I'll cut a few of these because they're flowering prolifically at the moment. So I thought... Really nice flower. It's still going through. I've cut them back. I've had a wash of a lot of the xerocrysums all mm. through summer. So I thought I would plug that. Um, I also thought yesterday was, and I don't know if anyone knows about this, but it was Rakali Awareness Day, and I don't know if anyone knows what a Rakali is. Ooh, oh, please all tell right. us. Yes, please bring us on board. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love to hear. animals. Um, so Rakali is also known as the Australian otter down here in Victoria. Ah. It is what was previously known as the water rat, which is why they've changed the name because yeah, of not the association. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I much prefer Rakali. That's yeah. it. And mm. it's um, quite a large, uh, I guess it looks like a rat, but it's very otter-like in its behaviour. It's very large. It's probably about 30 centimetres when it's fully grown, not including tail length. And you've got another about 20 centimetres of tail and it's got a little white tip on the end of the tail, just like a... Um, the quolls? A bit like a quoll, but more like a ringtail possum. Okay. So imagine a little ringtail possum tail. They live all around Melbourne. In fact, they're throughout Australia. Uh, and for people around Darabin, Mary Creek, St Kilda Pier, you do see them. And a lot of people get a frack because they think it's just a massive you know, <laughs> rat in the water. Oh, big rat, big but rat. Yeah, I good just, to know. I just want to say that they're not and they're incredible species that um, they thrive on your waters and as long as they're mm. quite clean. So it does mean a good thing about the, a lot of the creeks around Melbourne. They're obviously quite cleanish, yeah. um, they, though they're, they're highly adaptable. They eat freshwater mussels, uh, shrimp, fish species, insects and things like that. But um, there is one particular lady or client which turned friend who lives on the Merry Creek and she's been looking after the Rakali and we create a little habitat garden for them. And the way that we've done is just made sure that she weeds the Merry Creek all the time religiously. Wow. And she makes sure she's got logs and things for them because they like to live under logs. Um, the vegetation needs to have a lot of carrick species, rushes and things like that. So it's just about... What a special place. Yeah, it's really special. So all I could say is anyone who lives near a waterway or anything like that, think of all the little critters. Mm. Think about how they work in with you because they're really great. They, they kind of clean up everything and all yeah. those sort of stuff. but. Now yeah. you know what it is. But, yeah, Rakali Awareness Day was yesterday. 
I'm love certainly the glad they're not called water rats anymore. I am too. <laughs> Me too. I am too. Well, even though I love I had pet rats as a kid and I loved them. <laughs> a lot of people might think, oh, but no, we're great well, pets. They can be good pets. I yeah. mean, they're, they're quite clean. They're very and, smart too. And they're smart, you know, so you can train them to do lots yep. of stuff. And they're a manageable size if you've not got a lot of yep. room. So mm. why not? And why fun not? fact, the rats and mice, the reason why they use them, this is horrible, like for labs, is because they have pretty much the exact same digestive system as us and diet. Yeah, and that's why they use them. Oh, We're go. just like lab rats. They're yeah. just like little us. Yeah, well, there you go. How, how much fun is that? Well, I mean, it's good. It's a good, you know, opportunity if you do live near a waterway to, as you've said, Emmeline, get engaged in your waterway. Mm-hmm. Maybe just start to learn the weed species that are in the waterway and slowly learn about which ones you'd like to remove. Help Definitely. decongest it a little bit. It's it's. One, like you've got a lot of life and biodiversity and if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to live by water, yeah. um, you have such a, a beautiful opportunity to have this fully thriving garden but mm. to be able to bring in so much wildlife. I mean, water is what connects a lot of wild, wild species to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is. If you do live around water, really really protect it and nurture it. Um, mm. Absolutely right. Look at your weed species around the area. Um, this lady, Carolyn, she has weeded all that part of the Mary and she, you can distinctly see yeah. where she's done it and then next to it it's just full of tritoscantia, mm. um, ivy, it's everything, but hers is just full of like Michaelinus depoided, all these weeping grasses, yeah. carracks, she's put back mm. juncus. It's just, it's amazing. And then her garden's got just crazy amounts of flowers and yeah. and we saw a spotted pardalote there last time which is really nice oh that's beautiful and yeah. there's no denying that it takes time but i think it's really worthwhile and your connection to your surroundings is so much better so that's it thanks yeah. for telling us about yeah. the Rakali. my pleasure my that's pleasure. awesome yeah well, I might do some community announcements because we have quite a few of them oh, this morning. Yes, I would imagine we yeah. would. Late summer, early <laughs> so, autumn setting yeah. in, so yeah. things will be going on. So please bear with me as I get through the list. <laughs> um, so today is the last day of the Herb and Chili Festival in Wandon. It's at 125 Quail Road. Um, it's from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. Adults are $27. Children under 14 are free. Concessions and students are $22. A couple's festival pass is $52. And if you're a family of two adults and innumerable children, it seems, um, between the ages of 14 and 18, you can get a pass for $70. So that's 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 probably the best deal if you've got a few people going along. So that'll be fun. Um, we're also running the 3CR subscriber drive at the moment, and today is the final day for it. So we're really looking towards our listeners to to support us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 3CR relies on the support of our listeners to keep going. We're a not-for-profit community radio license holder, and a strong subscriber base is vital to our financial independence. Uh, we're proudly community-owned and community-controlled. So the cost of subscriptions are $40 for unwaged concession or pension, $80 for waged, or $150 if you're a band or an organisation. So you can subscribe by visiting the 3CR website at www.3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe, or you can phone in on 0394198377 
and press 1 to subscribe. So I'll also open up the phone lines here in a little bit after I've finished all these announcements. Mm-hmm. And um, you can call one of our lovely producers and subscribe on the spot if you wish. We've got forms to fill out. And, um, yeah, that would mean a lot. Um, it means a lot to us in the studio. And we hope it means a lot to our community of listeners as well. well exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's important to us that you do that because we're here giving our time. That's right. And, yeah. uh, you know, and freely and enjoying it. And, uh, yes, if people can subscribe, well, it just helps support the station so that we can then help support the gardening community. That's yeah, right. and it's not just the gardening show. There's so many wonderful shows that this station produces and a uh, very diversity of, of different people and voices and it's just it's just a wonderful place to to contribute to it is yeah and it's nice to be able to listen to something that doesn't seem to have as much adverts or mm. you've got if you do have a diversity of knowledge coming through yeah really that's promoting true. that amongst people yeah yeah thanks guys um yeah look forward to some subscribers calling in so moving on we've got the raising rarity conservation program uh this is for schools So could your school help protect Victoria's threatened flora? This unique conservation program puts threatened species directly in the hands of students to grow, collect scientific data and ultimately support the recovery plans of Victoria's threatened species in partnership with the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria. So you can get in touch with the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria learning team via learning at rbg.vic.gov.au And they'll send you a form to register your expression of interest for your school. So you can be a primary school. I think high schools can do it too. So, yeah, that's an interesting one and good for the young'uns. It's a fantastic program too. Yeah. I've brought plots in from there. So, yep. Yeah, it's great. And and really, I think they end up, as you say, they end up selling the plants back to the public as well. Yeah. So... They you know, did it say it comes full circle. Yeah, well, they did say if you wanted to purchase any plants for yourself, whether it be for jobs or anything like mm. that, that they do offer that service too. So for yeah. anyone who wants to, have so they will contract grow essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so good for schools and good for the the end user and the environment. Yeah. So we've also got the National Sustainable Living Festival, which is currently on from the first to the twenty eighth of Feb. So a few more few more days in there. There's a myriad of, of events. Um, some of our listeners might be interested to get more information. I won't go into every single event because there's so many, but please go online to slf.org.au. There's also a lot of online events, so if you can't get to them, they're sort of all over the city, but there's some good webinars, so that's always interesting. Um, so guest of the show, fab horticulturalist and co-author of Tomato No So Grow Feast, Karen Sutherland. She's presenting a tomato growing talk for the Preston Garden Club next week um, on the Wednesday, the 22nd of February. Um, and it'll be helpful for anyone that wants to know what's maybe gone wrong with their tomato crop this year, besides just weather. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that will be held at the Preston City Hall at 284 Gower Street in Preston. It's at 7.45 p.m. And it's half an hour. It's free, which is fun and useful for anyone that's budget conscious. And um, signed tomato books will be on sale on the night. So Karen will have them there for sale. So you can learn 
so much about growing tomatoes, especially in these interesting climatic times. It's a a unique place to choose Preston because there'll be a lot of tomato growers around that area. I'm sure there are. And it's free or it might be a bit flooded. Yeah. (laughs) Get in early, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I hope Karen gets lots of people interested. I think she will. Yeah. So another Royal Botanic Gardens one is a climate watch walk. Um, And it's about do you want to understand climate change and how it's affecting our plants and wildlife? Join our Climate Watch advocates on this free guided walk to monitor biodiversity within the Botanic Gardens Melbourne. Learn about indicator species of plants and animals and how climate change is affecting their seasonal behaviour. The data you observe and record will help shape Australia's scientific response to climate change. Make a real difference in your local community. This event is at the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne on Thursday the 23rd of February. It's at 11am. It's an hour and a half and it's also free and you just meet at the visitor's centre at 11am. Um, you can also learn more about this this event and other programs that are being run in conjunction with it at www.climatewatch.org.au. Bear with me, there's a few more. Oh, wow, <laughs> they are still going. Yeah, sorry. Um, lots going on this season, end of summer, start of autumn, Everything's happening. So Saturday, February the 25th at 2pm, the Alpine Garden Society of Victoria is hosting their buy, swap and sell at the Alinda Community Hall next door to the Alinda Pool and it is a free event. Uh, The Fernie Creek Hort Society is having their Plant Collectors Expo on the 11th and 12th of March. So this is a little bit further down the road in terms of month. Um, that's at 100 Hilton Road in the east end of 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras. And I believe Ben Booker and Kerry from, um, what's their wonderful nursery oh, called? Um, Treasured Perennials. Treasured Perennials. Treasured Perennials. They will be there along with the Salvia Society, lots of other great growers. Um, so definitely worth a visit. So, Encouraging Women in Horticulture are having a native bush food and medicine workshop, kindly delivered by Sonia from Dance of the Plants. That's happening on March the 25th from 10am till 12pm at the Selby Community House and can be booked via emailing events at ewha.com.au. Finally, the Open Gardens Victoria have kindly given us a double pass for um, a beautiful garden coming up in Brighton opening next weekend which is Saturday the 25th and Sunday the 26th of February. So this is Karen's garden. Um, It's Nine Brandon Close in Brighton uh, and the property has a formal entrance but the surprise happens through the side gate where one enters into a large tranquil garden space that is hidden behind a high fence. This peaceful side garden has large mature trees that offer shade, offset by colourful and coordinated planting underneath. A large pond is an important part of this garden, as is a gazebo amongst the greenery. A discreet sculpture enhances the peaceful feeling of the water and water plants that create a cooling oasis for a hot summer's day. 
sounds really good. It, it sounds like we should have been there on Friday. Yeah, oh, yes. my I would God. have been anywhere on Friday. Yeah. It was cooler, yes. Yeah, it was, it was a bit wild, but I'm glad we got through it. <laughs> um, so there's much to enjoy about this garden. It's a very lovely garden. Entry, if you're purchasing tickets, are, is $10 for adults, $6 for students, and under-18s are free. Uh, tickets can be booked and prepaid for online via try booking and you can also pay there on the day. So as I said, we have one double pass to give away. Um, so please call in on 94190155 to speak to either Susie or Michaela um, to hopefully win that pass. And many thanks to Gail and all the wonderful volunteers at Open Gardens Victoria for your continued support of the 3CR Gardening Show. So, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening <laughs> Show. <laughs> My name's Emma Hurd, and with me in the studio are Emmeline Bowman and Stephen Ryan. Um, I'll now invite our listeners to join us if they would like to call in. As I mentioned before, uh, our number is 94190155. Our text line is 0488809855. And if you want to email us, we'll get to your emails in the next show, but uh, 3cr.gardening at gmail.com is our email address. There we go. All right, I'll stop talking. No, no. <laughs> you need a, you no, need you a need rest. No, you need to keep talking. You've got the whole show to go <laughs> in. Oh, we've got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, get, the, get the oil out and lubricate them out. We'll get yeah, yeah. Again. I'll take a sip of water. <laughs> and let's maybe start with this lovely plant here that uh, you have, Emily. Sure. This looks beautiful. This is lovely. So this is called Zira Citradora. That's Z-E-I-R-A. Mm. And I'm... Guessing that everyone already knows what it would mean if we say citradora because it means that obviously it's scented and a high, like very aromatic plant. Mm. Have you smelt that before? No, I haven't. Have a go. Oh, yes, and it's very citrusy. It's very yeah. citrusy. Now, mm. I, you can see the plant I have here. It looks a lot like thyme. I was yeah. going to say, it's exactly yeah. what it looks like. So if you need to sort of get a sense of it, culinary thyme yes. looks like that. And it's I have, a very upright thyme. It is. And I have been a little bit naughty because I've had it. Um, in a bit of a shaded area, which is why it's looking a little bit more leggier than usual. It's usually a little bit more oh. compact, but it has been growing very well in shade, so obviously it's just got a different form. Um, mm. yeah, versatile. Just, it's very versatile. Um, it has these beautiful little white flowers, profuse as well, and it only grows to about 30 centimetres, I'd say around about 500 mil wide, a little mm. bit more. So it's sort of like a nice little little ground cover in a way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it is it is so aromatic. If you just, like, step on and crush it, you can smell it. It's very good. So it would be good. ideal on the edge of a path or exactly. something like that so that you get the value of it. That's right. Brush yeah. it past and be like, mm. what is that? And then, mm. yeah, and maybe rub the leaves on you. I haven't seen if it works for mozzies or anything, like rubbing it on you. I mean, yeah. it's all a myth. Well, it make you feel good. Yeah, it does yeah. make you feel good. <laughs> I imagine it would, and it's a lovely sensory delight. It mm. is, and it's... Um, it, it, it'd be great around, you know, like um, children, if you've got nature place spaces, mm. spaces fine with animals, um, it's not toxic, it's all those little things. So I've done, yeah. I've done similar plants for clients where if they want to have nicely fragrant plants under their washing line. Yes. Because mm. that's... That can be We've nice. We've done that. We've yeah. like put like lavender and things like that. So imagine that the lavender goes on the sheets. Yeah, <laughs> on a sunny day, you just, I mean, Never I'm not done. sure that it works perfectly. <laughs> no, but it if doesn't. you're But if you're stepping on it occasionally, yeah. 
It's it's just a nice experience, a nice moment. If you're hanging out the laundry, you might as well smell something That's good. That's right. Well, exactly. I agree. Although I have to say this is a very good point to make when people talk about plants that might discourage mosquitoes. It doesn't. They don't. They don't. No, it's none a myth. of them do. It drives it's me nuts. It's a myth. Nuts. It's yeah. a myth. It's yeah, absolutely a myth. You might be able to, like, rub things on you and mm. it might yeah. deter, but it is an absolute myth. Yeah. There's no such Because if it was going to deter them, it's the volatile oils and those oils have got to be released by the plant and the way to do that is to crush it. That's right. So if the plant's just sitting there benignly doing nothing, yeah. it's not going to keep away insects. They're probably enjoying mm-hmm. the smell too. Yeah, well, yeah. quite possibly <laughs> so. So, yes, it's an absolute nonsense, so don't believe it. I get it regularly on Talkback where people ask about, you know, mm. what plants will deter biting insects and yep. it's, it just doesn't happen. It's yeah. Forget that's, about it, move on. That's right. That's where I always plug that you have to look after all the wildlife around you. Get microbats. I mean, yeah. they eat 600 yeah. mosquitoes a night. Yeah. Dragonflies, things like that. They mm. consume it. You're better off looking after the environment, getting those animals that consume mm. them. Because yeah. the, if you don't have anything, then you get mozzy delight. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of um, wildlife, we've got our first caller, and um, it's Jill from East Brighton. She's had a Rakali sighting. Yes. Hello. Oh, sorry, Jill. I've taken too long. Please call back, Jill. I'm sorry about that. Um, hopefully, she will call back in. And she. It sounds exciting that she's seen one. Yeah, it's so. right. Which is, you, there's a big population of them there. Okay. So if you're um, there, even around St Kilda. You will see them jump in the water. Mm. But, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that people are listening in and actually going, hey, yeah. Yeah, obviously people are recognising them, as you've said. So Rakali yeah. Awareness Day is working. Yes. Which and is and now Stephen and I know too. Yes. So we'll yeah. join like, oh, we'll we'll the chorus. is now no longer intact. You all have no ignorance. <laughs> no. Well, we've got Jill back. Jill. Hello, Jill. Oh, I was just about to come on and then it cut off. I had hung on. Oh, I'm so sorry. I kept you waiting. But, but it's fine. But it's fine. Uh, yes, look, I just wanted to say, yes, I, I saw five Rakalis the other night. Five? I went, I went out, yes, and they are living in the bay at um, Sandringham because oh. uh, they also, you know, eat um, um, seafood as well as freshwater Definitely. critters. And um, I've... I've just uh, joint. Can I give a little plug to Friends of Native Wildlife? Yeah, that's good. Uh, the Bayside chapter. They organised a Rakali viewing night, and we went down to the breakwater at Sandringham. You know, one of those rocky ones like the penguins live in, yeah. and the Rakalis live in this one, oh, Sandringham. And so we just sat there in the evening, and um, five of them came out and were diving into the water and swimming, oh. coming out with crustaceans. And they're so gorgeous because they um, they come out of the water to eat usually and uh, they sit up like a sort of – and hold their food like a sort of squirrel does yeah. and, and sort of sit up there and sort of you know, chomp away and then just slip back into the water and swim around. And um, the ones at Bayside are, are really beautiful. They're, they're sort of chocolate brown fur – on their backs and um, kind of apricot fur underneath, oh, with the stunning. with quite a longish um, tip, a white tip to the tail, almost half the tail is white, mm. and um, yeah, just absolutely beautiful. Oh. And whenever I mention it to people, they say, "Oh, I've never heard of them." And I thought, well, you know, we know all about platypuses, and I know platypuses are more 
unique yeah. and wonderful. But um, the Rakalis, you know, they're living amongst us. Mm, that's and, uh, you know, as you say, it's a sign that we've managed to clean up our waterways, yes. uh, the fact that they can live amongst us. Yes. So, um, and yes. Am I and, and correct in thinking that they're nocturnal? Yes, 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 that's right. So, so uh, Rakali too was sort of started at nine because you know this was a couple of weeks ago when the when the sun was setting later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, and then the people from uh, Friends of Native Wildlife uh, had a oh, what do you call them? One of those red torches that oh, the um, infrared, yeah. infrared. Yeah. So they could they could. Um, Put the torch on them without them being without dazzling the the rakalis, mm-hmm. um, or even the rakalis being aware of the torch. So that was terrific. It gave us a really really good view of them. Um, yes, and oh. I was just stunned that uh, you know there were so many, and I'd been living here for many years and had no idea that <laughs> oh, they were. Chill. Yeah, that's that's made my day. I'm so glad that you <laughs> see them, and yeah, they are. They're such a beautiful creature. And, um, yeah, I, I find them fascinating. I watch them as well, and I just think they're so beautiful. I think they're very cute too. Yeah, yeah. so do I. So you to come you down have, and see them now. You need to see them. They are, and the way they play in the water, like they're such, such yeah, just ample like swimmers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so and much for telling us about that's all your right. site. If I could just say with Friends sure. of Native Wildlife, uh, it costs only $5 to join, and they organise Frequent tours where you can go. We're going on micro bat watching one. Oh, um, I need to join these people this Friday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're a great little group, and they also um, now volunteering. So yeah. we um, clean out and refill the. Um, it's about in a whole lot of um, wildlife uh, water bowls along the cliff top walk um, between Hampton and Sandringham. I think all right, right round the bay. Mm. And yes, they, these people go and clean them out and refill them with fresh water. Oh, look, so it's nice wildlife. seeing people looking after the visitor. It's just yeah. it's a change in where we're, yeah, just thinking about everything around us. Yes. Just say look, for fellow listeners their name one more time. Oh, yes, it's Friends of Native Wildlife. Wonderful. Very good. And this is the Bayside chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can I just ask a, a, a question about native fish? Yeah. Did sure. you call last time, Jill? I did. Yeah. I did. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have. I wrote down what you said, Emmeline, mm-hmm. and then I have put it on a piece of paper somewhere. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say was, yeah, my pond is up and running. It's got lots of dragonflies oh, and damselflies and, and things. Uh no frogs as yet. No, okay. um, would it be a terrible sin if I went and and, and <laughs> collected some tadpoles from somewhere? <laughs> I um, mean, I'm not going to say anything, but um, <laughs> <laughs> if you do, make sure it is um, sort of close by, so you're not because yes. sometimes bringing salinic, in other species. That's yes. yeah. You want yeah. something that can obviously live within your area. There is salinity in the air and things like that, so the species would be adapted to the area. I think last time I said like it would be striped marsh frogs, um, spotted yes. marsh frogs, things like that. You're not yes. so much going to get things like uh, the pobble bonk or anything. Um, though I have had a client have one in Brighton, so you can, but it was more more in away from the coast. Um, but yes, you can. Just, I guess. Yes, uh, certainly we've got uh, pobble bonks at Dramana because uh, yeah, you know okay. we've got. A, um, I hear hear them 
each night, which is lovely. Well, then you uh, probably could. It's just um, obviously there's a bit of a cut where these animals can't get into your pond. So, you know, if you if you did put some in your pond, they would probably thrive very well. Uh, it's why I always say, like, when, you, when you're creating these gardens, it's about the green space and the link that these animals can start travelling into your garden. So mm-hmm. that's why it's really important that... When you think yeah. about these gardens, incorporating some of the native and local plant species, so you're creating corridors so they can find their way into your garden. So yes. I don't know yes. if your street is, you know, fully equipped to um, all animals moving in, or if it's just I your garden. Heard, I haven't heard. Well, yeah, I, I've never heard a frog in our neighbourhood, and I put yeah. it down to the fact that we're on the sand belt, yes. so the soil dries out very quickly yeah. and so it's hard for the frogs to get around and and um, um yeah and I, don't, I don't fancy their chances of popping across the nepean highway i highly just, doubt no. it too so yeah then that's <laughs> no. where yeah if you did water as long as the environment you have will sustain them then absolutely um, yes yeah. I've got to get a few more. Um, yes, I've got to get a few more reed species around the fr- the um, the pond. The other thing, though, was the native fish. I had heard that the pH is very important for them; uh, that it yeah. needs to be slightly higher than usual. And I don't know how you measure pH in water. I don't know how to do it in soil. Does anyone have a clue? Yes. So if you just go to your, you can just go to a local pet shop or. Yes. Um, a place that sells fish and they'll have ph test kits mm. oh, it is right. different to the soil ph oh uh, actually not too. yes it will be slightly different um so They're you'd just be little uh little tabs that you put in the water aren't they you can so do you that have to... yeah or you can buy a little um bottle of bromethylene blue yes. <laughs> um and you basically your water should be about neutral Jill, so, uh, oh, okay. yeah, okay. from yes. seven to seven point four, but the pygmy perch can even be within six point eight. So it's not too, it's not bad at all. So I was, oh, okay, yeah. Yes, there's a lot of tannin in my pond because it's I've got I've got a um, citri- a big a big uh, lemon scented gum. Yeah, no, but that's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that will be fine. They would love that because the tannin in the water makes water very very healthy. Um, oh yes, yeah. oh that's excellent to know. Yeah. Yes. No, that, that's that's actually perfect. So yeah, just go to the pet shop, get a get a pH test kit, and yeah, you can put the pygmy perch. And you think anything and, between sort of six point eight to seven point four? Yeah, you could even go nearly up to seven point eight. I mean, it's acidity that's more harmful, and especially right. for your frogs because if it's acidic, then it's you know basically it's burning the skin. Mm. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. So anything and more alkaline is yeah, and you might it's find not good. That, well, you'll probably find your water will be slightly higher or a little bit alkaline because you are near the sea because you've got calcium ions that are coming off from the ocean. So that's sometimes something yes, that happens. Yes, we're, we're a couple of k's inland, so, okay. so yes, yes we're, we're not in the golden mile, that's for sure. Well, then you'll be absolutely fine. I reckon you're – even listening, I'm, like, I'm sure your water is absolutely fine. But to be on the safe side, do a test. And it's sort of nice to learn and, and do that anyway. Um, and always looking for things like cloudiness in the water. If you see like a, a white cloud in the water, that's yeah, no, a sign that I, something's wrong. But yes. tannin in there, I mean, you'd have a great little bacteria build up in that water. I can it be nice mm. and healthy. So oh, put some tadpoles in. <laughs> yes, all right. I will put some tadpoles in. And, and and the other thing was just the name of where of the, where I could get the native that's fish. That's right, yes, Chris Lemon. Chris. Uh, Chris Lemon, um, L-A-M-I-N. That's yes. M, M for Mary. Um, and that's Middle Creek Farms. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yes. And she's down near Bragalon. Um, yeah, so like I said, yes. she's quite a busy lady. She's doing a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of recovery programs for some fish, but um, you know. Oh, good. But she, good on her. Yes, she's yes, wonderful. So she's such a lovely person. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much My for pleasure. all of that. Yes, and and happy Rakali. Happy Rakali day. day. I'm so glad you called up. With, uh, yeah, that maybe day. It's great. Thank you, Jill. Okay. Thank you no for worries. calling again. No worries. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So good to talk, Jill. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, nice to have such a lovely conversation oh. with Jill. Oh, yeah. Jill's such a – she's an avid listener. She's yeah, listening every very day. Very enthusiastic. She's yeah. one and she's joining so many groups and, oh. Yeah, it's really good to hear about the Friends of the Native Wildlife in Bayside. Mm. I might go along to yeah, one of their go. evening uh, Rakali viewing yeah. <laughs> sessions. I'd be up for the microbats myself. Yeah. I like the microbats. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have a thing about bats. I think they're fabulous creatures. Did you see the photo that Ben and Carrie posted on their Instagram page for treasured perennials? No. They no, get was... lots of microbats mm. and they, they had one in their in their door. Oh, did they? Like it just it was it was very sweet. They're just they're adorable. They are I've got yeah, a... we have them in our roof. Mm. Yeah. I have yes, a bit of a dilemma that, at yeah. the moment with the bat well part of our, ha- our house when it was where we bought it it's it's got all this um timber clad on outside but it's really poorly done and unfortunately it has to all come off but i just discovered that the micro bats are living inside the cavity of the house oh, so and now I'm, you don't want to do anything. i feel terrible and i'm not talking like one or two yeah. We've got we've got about i think i counted like 15 in one oh, time wow, it's a colony it's a full colony mm. and it has to come off so i'm thinking what am i going to do am i can we replicate something that's similar just close by so then they can go in there? Um, but I'm wondering, when we do it, though, what happens? Because obviously the builders are going to come in the day. Mm. Mm. And the bats will all be in there. And they're going to be in there in the day. So, Are there any bat experts out there? Yeah. Call in and let I'm us gonna, know. Yeah. How do we, how do we um, mitigate these yeah. poor bats and save them? That's it. Well, I have to, I, I have to call up because I know there's someone in the botanical gardens that do something yeah. and I might call them up just to say, because I know the t- what to replicate, I just don't know what to do when, it's, when mm. it happens. Yeah, because yeah. you've got to get the bats to adjust to a, Ex- a, a different site. That's right. So even if it's a, a Probably, good site, they might not necessarily find that's it. it. And, and you've got to make sure you don't lock them in. That's it. I don't want any, oh, mm-hmm. God. I'd suggest someone at the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens Cranbourne. would have a have yep. a clue yeah. about it. I would, I'll call up. But, yes, yeah. anyone out there, we're putting it out there. Yeah, give us a call. Here. Yeah, give us a call, 9419 one double five. What a good idea! Yeah. yeah, and and questions in general. If you have questions for us, you don't just have to answer our questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's no, actually right. good if yeah, we can yeah. be useful yeah. too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let's talk about one of your plants, Stephen. Right. Well, got actually, this I want to talk about this one. Here. Yes, um, many people are probably familiar with the more common perennial Tradescantias and even mm. some of the weedy relatives thereof. Um, but this is one that really only came into my perception probably eight or ten years ago. Um, and it's a really weird one that comes from Mexico. And it's quite drought tolerant. Uh, it's sun loving, like many hairy leaf plants. Mm. And it's a herbaceous perennial. It does die down in the winter. Um, so um, if you want to use it as a, a garden edging or uh, a semi-ground covering plant in a sunny, well-drained site. It's fabulous. And uh, when I was in Morocco a few years ago leading a tour over there, 
I saw this very plant being used in this quite hot, sunny courtyard, and they had these enormous big urns in which they'd planted standard olive trees, and around the base of the olive trees in the urns, they'd planted this Tratus cantia. So it's hardy. It's very hardy. hardy. And, and it looked stunning, yes. the sort of grey-on-grey grey effect, and I'm Got a funny Super. feeling the urns were black or charcoaly or something like yeah. that, and the effect was stunning. Uh, it does flower. It gets little sort of uh, three petaled, sort mm-hmm. of mauvey, pinky, bluey sort of flowers on it, uh, which are quite pretty, but not the main game. It's the foliage with this amazing fur all over the yeah. foliage. So it's sort of a little bit lamb's ear-ish, yeah, looks... um, but quite a different structural sort of quality to it. It certainly looks more like a tradescantia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to propagate from cuttings. You can also divide your clumps. So once you've got it going in the garden, it's quite easy to replicate plants without having to go out and buy lots more, although I wouldn't discourage you from doing that, of course, <laughs> uh, being a nurseryman. Um, and it copes with my cold up at Mount Macedon, so it's a very yeah, adaptable plant. So it's it's Tradescantia Silamontana, which is S I double L Silla Montana, and Montana, of course, means of the mountains. So mm-hmm. it comes from the hills in um, uh, in Mexico. And I did send Liz images of the four plants I bought in this morning. So. I think, well, I haven't checked, but I'm assuming that Liz has had a chance to put them up on our um, uh, social media. I think after the show. Yeah, so look out for them um, and we do them on Facebook and we do them on Instagram. So uh, uh, it certainly pays to see what this plant looks like. And I think it's a great plant. It's uh, it's one I'm encouraging people to use a lot more. Uh, It's fairly foolproof. Obviously, like a lot of these things, it doesn't want to be in heavy shade. It's not going to function well. Mm. Uh, But almost anywhere else in a sunny aspect in the garden and it's just a nice neat plant it's well, not doesn't tall, range everywhere or how tall oh it say? won't grow greatly taller than it already is so what about 15 20 centimeters yeah. tall uh, the clump will slowly move sideways over the years but it doesn't romp yeah. um I have to say, if a branch breaks and and the end of it hits the ground, it can even on its own accord take root. So yeah, it's so very you could easy. Layer to prop- it. Yeah, you could layer it or just break bits off and yeah. shove it in the ground. The stems are actually quite brittle, so I regularly, if I'm moving them around at the nursery or something, snap bits off them <laughs> and I shove Stick them in a in. pot, and away they go again. So much get- like real tradis, well, yeah. uh, not real tradis. Yeah, the other ones, other, yeah. other tradescantias. Yeah. So yeah, so it's just one of these sort of offbeat species in its genus, and I always like the strange plants within a genus because people get used to what a gene or what they assume a genus looks like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you say Daphne and they think of pink or white smelly evergreen bushes. Um, but there's, you know, Daphne's that grow to four metres tall. There's Daphne's that only grow a few centimetres tall. There's one that's yellow flowered, non-perfumed and some are deciduous. I mean, you know, yeah. lots of genera have far more diversity within them than people realise. And so I do like some of these sort of slightly odd outliers in a genus it sort of broadens one's attitude yeah it's really lovely like a silver glaucous leaf and just provides a bit of structure in your in your ground plane really like it's rare to get um ground covery plants that have sort of like an architectural structure. Yeah, most this ground cover plants, nice. you're right, they, they tend to be uh, finer leafed, so mm. they tend to be smaller leafed. And so you get this sort of very amorphous effect if you're using a range of different ground covers. So to have something that actually has a quite bold leaf, really, mm. um, uh, it stands out really well. Be ideal on the side of a path that you walk, walk along at night 
because like any silver foliage plant, it. yeah, you can see <laughs> it. Yeah, there's a yeah, real so, glow on it. Yeah, so you, it, it, it's a great plant to sort of lead you along a dark path. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Tradescantia silimontana, really, really pretty and interesting plant. It looks like Tradescantia yeah. had an affair with lamb's ears. It does. It does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got that look. <laughs> does yeah. it? Does it? Um, can it get a little bit weedy like... Normal trad, though. Not as Not far a... as I've been able to find out. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it sort of take off. Yeah. Uh, it just makes neat clumps. Yeah. Um, so if you want more, you've virtually got to do that manually, yeah. one yeah. way or the other. Well, uh, that's really good. So it's a very restrained plant, and because it's from a drier climate too, it doesn't. it's not water-hungry. So mm-hmm. most of the other traders' candies, you've got to pump them up with water a bit when it gets dry in the summer yeah. uh, if you're going to keep them well, going, particularly the perennial ones. Some indoor plants, yeah. some yeah, of the more purple, variegated yeah. ones. Yeah, I don't think this would make a good indoor plant no. because I think it's furry it's leaves that get covered outdoor. in dust. And Do you think the leaves, because um, Tradescantia is a, of a highly, um, causes a lot of irritations within mm. cats and dogs. Don't Does know. that do the same? I've no idea. Mm. Um, my gut feeling is it's pretty benign in most respects. Yeah. So, and certainly... Um, it's, um, you know, certainly its growth pattern and everything else is quite different to the other plants within the genus, so everything else could be a little different as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly I think the, the weedy ones that sort of get madly the covering, <laughs> covering the ground everywhere, they also become more of a problem for pets just by the quantity you end up with yeah. too. So, yeah. you know, if you've just got one or two restrained clumps around a, a garden, I don't think it's going to cause any mm. issues. So, um, yeah, I think it's a lovely plant, well worth considering. So there you Yeah, nice. thank you. Um, John Bentley has kindly texted in and said that the plant photos are up on Facebook. So oh, good. if people would like to look at it right mm. now, they're most welcome to. I'd mm. say they're on Instagram too. So thank you, Liz. Yep. Yes, she does a good job. Yes, yeah, she's, she's onto it. Yep, yeah. she, she definitely is. The problem is I've got to be onto it the day before and make sure I get the pictures taken and send them off to her. Well, you've done. Well, I didn't send any pictures. Yeah. I just brought them along. You yeah. still can though. She'll, yeah. she'll post them up. Yeah. So okay. we, can, we can take some we'll lovely take photos. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we haven't got any calls coming in, have no, we? Emma? No. We so, all right. Well, I might as well talk about another plant that's one of my all-time favourite groups of plants, if I can be said to have a favourite group of plants, which is probably not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that pays its way in the garden is the genus Cyclamen or Cyclamen. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Cyclamen is probably the correct way to pronounce it if you need a correct way. Uh, although I do remember years ago when I joined the Alpine Garden Society way, way back, and I went along to, I think, one of my very first meetings, and there was an elderly brother and sister couple who were doyens of the Alpine Garden Society. Um, and... Um, they were. They probably knew more than I'll ever, or they probably forgotten more than I'll ever know. They were just amazing when it came to bulbs and alpines and things like that. And I can remember Philip getting up and saying, "I've been doing a bit of study on this business about cyclamen or cyclamen." He said, and I was all ears listening at the back. <laughs> um, and he said, "We do all know, of course, that the name comes from the Greek uh, word kukul for a circle." And that's do we? what the, do we all know. That? Oh yes, of course we do. <laughs> we do. Uh, and, and that's because when the seed pods form, they are pulled down on a spiral, circled stem, so mm. they get pulled back into they the soil. They are sort. divine. Yeah, it's really cute. So anyway, he said. So in fact, we probably should be saying kuklaman. And I, at this point in time, I completely lost it, and I've got too much of a weird, <laughs> wicked sense of humour, uh, which unfortunately Philip didn't have, because oh. I leapt up from the back of the room and said. Next time I'm by Kukling past your place, I'll come and look at your collection. And what did he do? 
just he just looked silent. at me. Yeah, just silent. Everybody else in the room broke up. Um, but Philip had no sense of humour <laughs> oh, whatsoever. No. Uh, and I'm not altogether sure he got what I was actually saying. Tough as it, crowd. Yeah, and it was a tough crowd. <laughs> and I have to say, I think it was one of the best one-liners I've ever come up yeah, with I in like my that. whole life. I think it's, yeah, I like um, that. So I'll stick with Cyclamen. Yeah. Now, it's a small <laughs> genus, around um, about 22 or 23 species, virtually, well, it goes right around the Mediterranean basin, basically. So they're on a lot of the Mediterranean islands. There are, in some cases, specific species on specific islands, like Cyclamen creticum and Cyclamen cyprium. Makes uh, sense. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, others have a much broader uh, natural range. And I did do a YouTube video on Cyclamen throughout the year, which people could go into the horticultural and have a look at. Um, the one I bought in this morning is Hedrofolium, which means it's got leaves like an ivy, um, and it's supposed to be the autumnal one. Like three lobes? Uh, its foliage is so diverse that you can't yeah. really say that with Hedrofolium, unfortunately. Some of them are slightly lobed, uh, but yeah. others are more spearhead-shaped. I've got one or two in the garden that are quite elongated leaves, mm. and they have different marblings of white yeah. and silver in them. You sometimes get purely silver-leafed varieties. I've got a number of those in my collection. They sort of look like a Rorschach t- Rorschach test, you yeah. know, those interesting, what What do you see in this? Yes. In uh, fact, you can spend, you can waste a lot of time mm, looking mm. at the foliage of these. And that's the thing oh, I like about them. It's a waste them is, of time, really. Yeah. It's quite meditative. The flowers are lovely and they're there for a long time, but it's the only group of sort of, well, they're not bulbs, they're tubers, but nonetheless, mm. the only group of sort of bulbous plants I can think of that you can actually have in flower 12 months of the year if you select the right species. Mm. Many of them have got a beautiful perfume. Um, the flower colours are somewhat limited because you've got white ones and you've got uh, various sort of pinky ones that go through to almost um, cerise sort of shades and that's Mm. more or less the colour range in in wild species. Mm. Uh, But they're dainty little plants. Most of them grow really well in amongst tree roots in shade. Um, They're particularly good under deciduous trees, but many of them can can grow under pine trees and all sorts of really difficult places. Yeah, they're really very versatile and some of the only things that you can grow under pine trees and eucalypts as well. Yeah, they, mm. they do fine under eucalypts. Yeah. In fact, we've got a, a little walk we do with one of our dogs and there's a, a property that's got some, I think they're managums, they're shedding great chunks of bark the whole time and you're walking along this mm. nature strip and somehow or another a few of these have escaped out of the garden and they're growing in amongst the bark and <clears> twigs and, and gum nuts and God knows what else of the managum and they just pop up in the autumn out on this nature strip yeah. and they're the cutest little things. And, you know, they can slowly multiply by self-sown seedlings and you'll sometimes get cyclamen that'll pop up in completely unexpected spots because the seed has a sugary coating around it and ants will pick up the seed to carry them back to their nests (laughs) and a clumsy ant can drop a seed in sort of the weirdest places sometimes. Uh, I've got actually a couple of these that come up through the the barge boards on the bottom of a shed. So they're actually growing under the building (laughs) and the the flowers and leaves come out between the the barge boards. Sometimes even in rock walls you get them. I mean, which seems odd because they do have to create their little tuber, but they'll sort of... Well, they sort of scrunch in. form themselves, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so they are – and having seen them in the wild, I mean, I've spent a fair bit of time in some of the Mediterranean parts of the world – 
Some of them grow virtually down on the coast. Mm. Uh, most of them like a bit of shade, but there's one called Cyclamen graecum that as long as it's got gravel or mulch over it can grow in full sun really? uh, and perfectly happy. And, in fact, its leaves have an almost hologram-like quality about them. Uh, they look like they're three-dimensional, but it's actually just the patterning on the leaves, and they're just exquisite. So oh. you can spend a lot of time collecting some. different species, <laughs> but you can spend the rest of your life then collecting different leaf forms. Yeah. Um, so and they, there's a few Japanese growers that keep popping up on my Facebook feed that have got some cyclamen oh, varieties you... with the most amazing <laughs> yeah. leaves. Can, they, you, can you buy seed? You can get seed. Uh, you can actually join the Cyclamen Society in England and they have a seed exchange oh, wow. thing and so you can get seed from the different species. As far as I know, there's no issues with importing cyclamen seed, so you know mm. you could bring them in. Um, and, of course, there's always the holy grail out there because there's one species that isn't in cultivation, well, tenuously is, I guess. Uh, they've got it at Uppsala uh, University in Sweden because uh, <laughs> the botanist who discovered it brought the seed back to Sweden. And I don't think it's out in any form uh, in general sharing. cultivation <laughs> at this stage. And it was the most newly discovered species and it's the only cyclamen that doesn't grow around the Mediterranean and it comes from Somalia. Cyclamen somaliensis. And what does it look like? It looks a bit like a, a small version of Cyclamen persicum from the pictures I've seen. Yeah. So like the miniature version of the big pot one. Right. Because uh, the big pot one is actually a species. It's not a hybrid. Oh. Um, it's just been selected from the small wild species over the last couple of hundred years to build up larger. bigger and bigger and bigger selections. Mm. So it's still a wild species in a sense because it's not a hybrid between several species. It's still Cyclamen persicum. Yeah. And it does make me laugh because wild persicum is beautiful. It has long, elegant petals. Uh, oh, yeah, there's Somaliensis. Oh, well well wow. done, Emmy. Brought up a, a picture of its foliage. Oh, it's it's it looks quite... a bit like a begonia. Yeah, yeah it's... it's got almost like a love heart shaped leaf. Now, having said that, though, it's probably quite diverse in the wild yeah. as well. So that's just one. Yeah, this is just one, one image. Image of it. Uh, it's almost like got snow frosting. Yeah, you know, beautiful like things. Really beautiful yeah. pattern. Yeah. yeah so love if anybody's got yeah. seed of Cyclamen somaliensis they want to share with me, I'd be perfectly happy oh. to have some. Uh, We're asking a lot of the listeners today. <laughs> Please, give I, us I am quite confident no listener is going no. to get back and say, oh, by the way, Stephen, I'll yeah, send I've you half a kilo of yeah. Cyclamen Somaliensis seed. You just never know, though. You might as well put it out there. Yeah, look, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I remember years ago being very cheeky and it was when I was host of Gardening Australia, I was talking to one of the members of the Clivia Society or Clivia, depending on what school you went to. Mm -hmm. I always say Clivia because it was named after Lady Clive. Um, and... Um, there was a newly discovered species of Clivia uh, in southern Africa, which they called uh, Clivia mirabilis, uh, and it was only comparatively recently discovered. Mm -hmm. And I cheekily said something off, oh, somebody's got a spare plant of mirabilis. Uh, I'd love to have one of those for my garden. Not expecting anything because I know that a very small amount of seed got out of South Africa and then they locked it away, and I don't think you can get seed out anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was only that sort of once-off thing so go. of course members of the society did manage to get some seed and lo and behold about five months later a small seedling arrived oh, at my place oh, wow. and I went oh no I'm now the custodian of this extremely <laughs> rare plant and I've got to look after and it. Do you still have it? Yes Good. and if anybody from the society is listening my plant flowered for the first time oh, this year. I'm proud uh, of it. Yeah oh it's extremely slow growing it was just in a sort of a three or four inch tube when I got it it was only tiny and it's still one 
crown. It hasn't multiplied. Right. Uh, and it's about 30 or 40 centimetres tall and it sent up a flower spike and it flowered in midsummer, so it seemed to flower later and than the others. And is it the colour of... Yeah, it's the, it's the sort of classic orange, but it's yeah. got quite a narrow trumpet yes. and a greenish tip to the ends of the wow. trumpets. Greenish and it's really tip. pretty. Oh. And how long have you had it for to just get Well, that? I was the host of Gardening Australia. That was seven or eight years ago. Oh, and it's taken eight years for it to flower. Yeah. That's well done slow. getting yeah, it there. Good yeah, good and, and it's Put still it healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's still healthy. So if any of you are listening out there, uh, I'd just like to know how big the seeds have to be because it's trying to set seed pods, but they look quite small. See, uh, uh, Clivia... Mirabilis. 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 Yeah, Ooh. and it's a, a remarkable plant and, and it was considered a miracle because it was um, a completely unexpected discovery. They didn't know there was a species there. It was in a quite different part of South Africa than where all the other species come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it comes from a winter, rainfall, summer dry area, whereas most of the others come from summer, rainfall, winter dry areas. Mm. So it has the reverse sort of habit. Well, there you go, kids. Horticultural dreams can come true. They do. So, yes, so Cichlamon somaliensis is the next one. Uh, Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I have more good news. So um, someone lovely has texted in, and I actually am very glad because I've been privileged to work along with um, Tricia Stewart at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. So this person has texted in and said, Tricia Stewart is someone to get in touch with regarding microbats. Lovely. Good. See, we did put it out there. Yeah, and no, no, it comes back. <laughs> and Ricardo Fimo. Um, so the garden's phone number is 5990-2200. I'm going to – can we write that down? Yeah. Later? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, there That's you go. One. Thank you so much for sending that through. Yeah, yeah well, Trisha might be hope for is... Cichlamon somaliensis yet. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha's so knowledgeable. You'll love speaking with her. Yeah. She's done a fantastic job at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, along with colleagues, um, creating these gorgeous corridors for animals to pass under the so, entrance part. I've seen like the, the, the bandicoot. Yeah, yeah, and she's got. She's done wonderful taken footage yeah. of all of the animals and I'm sure she'll send you some she gorgeous. She sounds like a lovely. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. So, yes, get in touch with Trisha and I'm sure I'm sure that Ricardo is also great. I haven't haven't had the honour of speaking with him. Well, thank you again for sending that through. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Really appreciate that. It's so, more just, yeah, I'm just worried about displacing them when the work happens. Yeah, mm. yeah that's always yeah. the issue. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who had a um, mud brick house and it was sort of half built. Mm. And so the bats used to fly through the little cracks above the door mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And when they eventually got to the point where they sealed the house off properly, of course, they stopped the bats and they found two dead bats in their house oh, a, see, a couple I of weeks later. That. And it's really sad. And the bats used to just fly through, they'd, they'd skim across the top of your yeah. head, uh, and they became quite used to having people wandering yep. around and everything. And then, unfortunately, yes, all their crevices were filled yeah. and, yeah, they had nowhere to go. So I don't mind because they're, they're very quiet. Mm. They, they You can hear a little bit of a twit, but, um, no, I'm, mm. I'm happy to share my home Actually, <laughs> another story here because bats are something, as I said, I'm very passionate about. Mm. Um, years ago, my partner and I were staying at Great Dixter Garden in England with Christopher Lloyd 
And we were in the night nursery. That was the room we'd been dedicated. And it was quite a, a lovely summer evening. And we'd left the window open. Mm. Had these great big windows you just op- threw open. It was just fabulous. And we'd had dinner and we'd had a few drinks and we'd had a lovely evening. And we <laughs> went up to our bedroom. And the whole ceiling, and it was a really high ceiling with lots of beams and stuff in it because it's an old uh, Jacobean house. Mm. Um the whole ceiling was a mass of little pipistrels all flying around. Oh, really? <laughs> and the only thing that was a little off-putting was they kept dislodging cobwebs and things oh, from the, the ceiling. Oh, yeah, well, spiders <laughs> yeah. falling on me. Yeah, and so you get all these cobwebs and things falling down. But I lay there watching them for ages, and they eventually just flew out the window again. Yeah. But there was this whole, well, do you call bats a flock? I don't know, but anyhow. I don't know. What yeah. is the name for a, a, a family of bats? I don't know, actually. That's yeah. a really good question. Well, they're flying creatures, so I suppose you can call them whilst they're in the air at least a yeah, flock. A flock. Uh, yeah, a flock or a, or yeah. a flight of bats. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm hoping there's something more sort of macabre and mysterious as a collective mm-hmm. noun for bats. We'll have to find that out next. I um, saw a skulk of foxes the other night. Oh, well, a skulk of, yeah. That's one you don't want to see yeah. that. And a murder often. of crows. Yes, yeah. murder of crows. <laughs> yeah, so you want a more evocative name. Yeah, oh, yes, I'm bats. sure there is one. I'd be really surprised if there's not, and I'm surprised I actually haven't thought to look it up myself no. at some point or another. Yeah. <laughs> it's a colony. Of course it's a colony. Oh, oh that's boring. Yeah, No, I think we need a new name. Can't call them yeah. a colony. That's ridiculous. I do remember. Yeah, so there you go. Think of something nice. Yeah, we will eventually. There's a few different though. There's a colony, a cauldron, a camp. Oh, I like a cauldron. A cauldron. A cauldron of bats. Yes, yes, I like a cauldron. I can go with that. Mm, Cauldron, I like that too. All right. Witchy. Good. Now, do we want to do some more plants? Because we, well, actually, we probably should mention the number again, Emma, because we haven't got anybody who's rung in. Come on, people. Yeah, ring us on nine four one nine zero one double five, and you can text us on zero four double eight eight zero nine. Eight double five. I think people are still recovering from Friday and they haven't yeah. had enough yeah. sleep. And this morning they're having a bit of a rest. Yeah, well, they could yeah. be. They might be at least listening, even if they've not yes. physically got their act together to ring us. That's so let's right. hope that they're at least listening. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this plant because this plant's really interesting and it does, in a sense, tie up with something that we've got on the table in front of us in a way. Uh, It's a myrtaceous plant, so it's in the same family with our eucalypts, etc. And it's a metarosiderus. It used to be in a different genus, but it's been lumped into metarosiderus recently. Is it from Um, New Zealand? Well, the well-known ones are from New Zealand, yes. Uh, This used to be Carpolepus. It's now a metarosiderus, and it's metarosiderus laurifolia, and it's from New Caledonia. And it is the most fabulous shrub. Gets big, glossy, dark green leaves. Grows to about three or four metres. Yeah, it gets quite tall. It's, yeah. it's nice. It's a beautiful thing. And it has brilliant yellow flowers, not dissimilar to Carimbia physifolia like to look at. Big, big clumps, big clumps. Yeah. of yellow flowers nice. that have made up all of stamens. In, and in you, can, you can hedge it if you want to. Yeah. I mean, it's nice as a single specimen, yeah. but you can have it as a, you know, rather than you could go for something quite big as a windbreak and yeah. the bigger things. But this is a nice, like, middle range. Yeah, it doesn't ever get too big. And I've yeah. seen it growing in the wild. It can grow quite close to the coast, so one assumes it's got good salt tolerances. Right. It comes from New Caledonia, so it must be able to cope with a fair bit of heat. Mm. Um uh, just how dry tolerant it is, I'm not dead sure. It, well, it grows well in Alinda. And does it? It gets, you know, quite a lot of rain there, so right. I'm... I'm dubious of its dry Yeah, tolerance. and there's a good plant of it in the Melbourne Botanic Gardens in their New Caledonian border. Mm. Uh, I don't know how much water it gets. Um, 
It's not 100% cold tolerant for me. Uh, I planted one in the garden at home and when we got those spring frosts this year, it just bit it off. Uh, And I don't think it's going to come back. I've left the corpse there, but I don't (laughs) think it's going to come back from the base. Um, But it is a beautiful thing with these fabulous glossy leaves. Mm. And, yeah, the genus Medrosidrus started off as just a few species in mainly New Zealand. But it has expanded. So it's taken over the Carpolipuses. There's a genus called uh, Tepuania that comes from Chile um, that's now been included into Medrosidrus, and it has tiny little leaves oh. and minute little white flowers all over it's it. <laughs> it. doesn't look anything like this. Yeah. Uh, so the genus has become quite a bit larger. Um, and I only found that out the other day. I was potting up some Tepuanias and I thought, I don't know why, but I think I should just go in and check with it, what their current status is. And I, I've got so paranoid about plant name changes that I tend oh, to yeah. do it even with things I feel reasonably confident about. Mm-hmm. So I go in and I check. And for those who haven't already heard me say this, I use the Q Botanic Gardens website, which is called Plants of the World Online. Yeah, it's and fantastic. it's a fantastic uh, thing it's also really confronting because there's name changes going all on time. all the time yeah, and so you know really commonly well-known plants are suddenly coming out into another genus yeah so uh, if you want to blow your mind check yeah. it out yeah. plants of the and, world. and families are being shuffled and right. what have you and you know mm. i can remember learning that there were only two genera in the family in which maples belonged which was aceraceae and now it's been lumped in with another huge family so you you know, all the things I remember learning as a student uh, have all been thrown up in the air and coming mm. down in all sorts of weird and different directions. more complex. It's good. Oh, Technology and, and our knowledge advances. Keeps our neuroplasticity working. Right. Well, I have to say, Emma, <laughs> this is something yep. that I used to get annoyed by name changes. It used to drive me nuts. And mm. I'd say, all right, I've taken all this time to learn that name. Now I've got to change my tack and I've got to learn a new name. But I've actually taken a slightly different attitude to it now. And I look at it and say, all right, it's the challenge of learning the new name. Mm. Uh, That's what I've got to do. I can't just go, oh, I'd prefer to stick Mm. with the old name. I'm going to determinedly try and fix my brain so that I can get it to use the new name. Plus, it's Uh, also nice if you give yourself a narrative around it and tell yourself the story of why it changed. It can be quite a helpful thing. And to know the history of a plant is also fun. The fact that mm. they're learning more about them and able yeah. to put them into these yeah. new groups. I do worry yeah. about the DNA side of things, though, because yeah. it is getting so complicated uh, mm. to work out where a plant sits now unless you can do the DNA. Mm. Um, so verifying it yeah. yourself is challenging. It is challenging <laughs> because, you know, unless you actually know the species and you say, all right, well, that's Medrosidrus laurifolia, I know what it is, I know what it looks like. Mm. But I wouldn't have necessarily put it with the Medrosidruses of the other Pacific Islands because mm-hmm. uh, it looks so completely different from, say, Medrosidrus umbellata or Medrosidrus uh, excelsa, mm-hmm. the New Zealand Pahutakawas. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do yeah. hate to cut this short, but we've got oh, we've, got a- we've got Ellen from the UK on the line. Ah, oh, wow. fantastic. Okay. Hello, Ellen. Oh, hi. Hi. Hi, <laughs> I'm glad to hear you guys. Because uh, I, I I know you've been on a couple shows, but I I, just, I didn't get a chance to call in and just say I, I'm so glad when you guys come back on the air. <laughs> oh, thank well, you. we're happy to be back. <laughs> <laughs> I I was calling. I was going to ask for commiserations and sympathy on the number of plants I managed to kill this winter. Oh, just, oh it's been a harsh it's winter. Been it's been it's, it's the climate's just, been funny all over the world. Gets, 
Well, we usually we're not too cold very long. Maybe like you know one night, but we had four or five nights. What is it? Twenty-seven Fahrenheit, negative two C, and stuff just looking dead. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I just, oh, I definitely my heebies are gone. Mm. I know that I killed off two of the Perviers, even though they were in the greenhouse. So no. I'm, I'm going to look for some inspiration to uh, to, mm. to pick up. Well, all I can say, uh, I commiserate, but I always say to people when something goes wrong, whether it be by a, by a cold or whatever, a gap is an opportunity. Yep. <laughs> I think you've got to you've look got for a positive sad. slant. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of thinking. Well, I, was looking, I, I saw the pictures on Facebook because you guys have the hydrofolium, hydrofolium coming up, but I have all the coombs because we're going into winter, spring. Yeah. So I'll... I'm with you. I'm on cyclamen. Cyclamen. Yeah, cyclamen is the way I pronounce it. Hardly anybody in Australia does, yeah. though, I might add. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, nice, a, a lovely thing to see, you know, on a cold day, you know, just beautiful pink flowers coming up where some of them are purple or white. But yep. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the leaf shape is, is just nice to see coming through. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, they, they don't mind the cold, but nah. all my other things, I just don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yes, well, plant more of those, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, just more cyclamen and that'll be fine. Yeah, so, yes, they cheer uh, me up all the time. Yeah, no, it's just, a, it's a nice, for me, harbinger spring, but it's, yeah, it's just painful to, to, to look at the bank balance and know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you could, you could be spending your money in far less useful ways. You know, if you're not a drug addict or a drunk um, <laughs> no. and you're spending your money on plants, I see that as probably the best sort of way that you can be obsessed. Like, you know, my yeah. dad actually said that I was in the garden. He goes, God, you spend a lot of money on plants. He goes, but you know what? It's better that, that than drugs. I'm yes. like, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Dad. That thanks. That's from? a healthy addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Green drugs. Yeah, green drug. This yeah. is a green uh, drug, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and don't feel yeah, bad. Passion. Everyone well, everyone has those seasons, mm. honestly. That's right. I mean, we're we're having uh us our season's been so wet, so we've been having so much rain that we're losing a lot of plants yeah. and then we get these um these just sporadic hot days which has put some of the plants into just a bit of a meltdown. Yeah. So we're finding it yeah. challenging with a lot of our plant species at the moment too. Mm. Um some have done really well. Hmm. Some have done really badly. So Yeah. And um, I'm sure yeah. as you might have heard on the show, Virginia lost a brachychiton to you know, sort of seasonal inundation because yes. their dam overflowed. But that's happening in oh, in all sorts of places yeah. due to like just unusual water yeah. levels. Just so and, much water and <laughs> yeah. um anyway. And now it's as dry as a bone. And now it is. It's crack like it's it's in- yeah. incredible. So oh, I've had to water the plants and and they've they've been um, no. loving life because they've had it had it really good because they've had too much water for a while and they've mm. gotten used to that. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully this no, hardens them up. It's <laughs> Thanks. An opportunity. Do you, what What do you guys think about? So the other challenge we have is I'm on a very heavy clay. So when we do get wet, then mm. we usually get wind behind that, and we're also on a hill. So things like my fruit trees, as soon as they get any pieces or apples or whatever, they just start to leave. And I just didn't know, I know you're not supposed to stake them after so many years, but if I don't, I feel they're going to fall down the trip. They're just going to spill over. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, your staking is somewhat counterproductive mm, yeah. um, because even if it does stop them from falling over now, they tend not to then develop enough strength in their root systems to stay upright yeah. anyway. Mm. Um, you want to try and break down the clay a little bit so mm. those roots can penetrate a bit deeper. Yeah, get a footing. Yeah. Well, yes. it's called, um, we're on what's called a glacial moraine. Oh, dear. So okay. <laughs> clay is rock. Yes, quite challenging. Yes, yeah. Have you considered putting a for sale sign up out the front? I'm not going to give up yet. Not going to give up yet. But I think I think what I might do is uh, I might just stake them in the winter. Yeah. That's when we get more of a root rock, even on the more mature trees, like five, six years old, and then maybe ease them off in the spring because it's just you know I, I didn't even notice. And then the other day, I just kind of put my hand on one of them, and it, it was loose. And that's a six-year-old, you know, peach tree, and it looks solid in the summer. Oh, so dear. I'm, I'm, oh, well, the best of luck with that issue. Maybe. Well, you know, I was just—I was going to ask one other. Uh, could you put? Question. Could you? Uh, in a in a low point at a uh, garden center, I picked up a. Let's see, the plastic label says prehistoric plant. And they're calling it the Japanese umbrella pine. And I don't even know how to say it. Skiadopides. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So oh, what did I right. mm-hmm. What do I do with that? Yeah, um, it's... It's a fairly hardy conifer. It should grow right in most parts of uh, England, but it's not particularly wind tolerant. It does grow in... Uh, forest conditions in its natural habitat. So my big fear for you would be that it might also struggle to Mm. keep itself upright, but it's slow enough growing that it makes a fantastic large tub specimen. I was just going to say, can I slow it down in a tub? Yep, yep. I like it because it was green. I like the leaf structure. It's a beautiful tree and and quite an obscure, weird conifer. Um, My step, uh, not my stepfather, my father-in-law has one that's been in a concrete urn that, well, in feet and inches would only be about two foot across. The tree itself is about three metres tall and it's been in that pot for something like 25 years. Mm. So you can sort of bonsai. Now, is it it really in the pine family no it's not a true pine okay yeah it's it's a conifer but not a true pine okay so do i do you think it would like ericaceous or yeah yeah i would use an ericaceous mix for it because it comes from fairly acidic soils in japan okay 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 i'll do like a movie of what do they call like a john in his number three yeah something like that would probably be fine put it with ericaceous okay Ellen, right. could well, I suggest with your fruit? Oh, sorry. Could I suggest with your fruit trees? Um, maybe you could yeah. put a raised ring around them and uh, raise the soil profile just a little bit. Even just putting a, a ring okay. or a bar in front, so it's yeah. sort of there's no erosion at the face mm. of it, yeah. and it's sort of holding it in, okay. a bit like oh, a little retaining wall. Okay. Yeah, the other thing, and instead of up. staking too, if there's a prevailing wind that you're working against. Use fork sticks yeah. mm-hmm. and just push the sticks up against the stems yeah. and trunks of the mm-hmm. tree just to hold it from that side if it's a prevailing wind. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, just yeah. as a temporary yeah, it, resort. It, it's always coming out of the west. Yeah, well then, yes, put your stakes on the opposite side mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and yes, I just okay. use fork sticks holding the, the trunks back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
a little Just more okay. gentle. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that's an idea. I'll try. I'll, I'll look at that and see if I can either, like I said, put a little bit of a retaining. Mm. We don't really get erosion. It just happens to be a, a hill. But mm. maybe the roof could get better in behind a little retaining wall. Well, as long as you don't cover the graft of the tree, mm. I think no, it no, should no. be okay. Yeah. All right. Don't well, build it up too high. Fantastic yeah, to hear from you again. Yes. Yeah. Thank you yes, for calling. No, I always enjoy the show. So thank you so That's much. Good. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, thank Ellen. You. Bye. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. 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 We've got a text message from, they don't say who they are, but they say, we have the pink form of Velotta lily yeah. and the common red form. And they're told that there's a white version, but they haven't seen it. Does it really exist? I haven't seen it either. No. I, um, I have some doubts about it, although albino forms do often show up. Uh, in groups of plants that have strong colours, mm. so it's not impossible that it could happen. But I certainly haven't seen a white one, um, and I have heard, you know, of this existence of this thing in a couple of occasions, but not necessarily from people who could claim they've seen it either. So mm. I, until it comes my way, I'm assuming it might be a unicorn. Yeah, it might be. Mm. Interesting, though. Thank you for texting in. And we've got another caller, line two. Uh Cat from Warburton, she has a question about a pomegranate not fruiting and wants to talk about temperate rainforest exhibit coming up. Hello, Cat. Oh, good morning. Sorry to I'm, keep you waiting. No, no worries. Good morning. It's um, yeah, I'm visiting Warburton, so I don't live up here, oh, and sure. it's just stunning. Um, I'm looking out, listening to the program while other people are sleeping in, which is a lovely thing to do. Oh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, no, my pleasure. And I, when we were talking about all of the different plants, it just reminded me yesterday I saw an exhibition on at the Art Centre here called Temperance, and it's focusing on the Gondanan um, flora, mm. talking about all the Myrtle mm. Beach and 18-metre girth med, um, Myrtle Beach, but done with photography with a whole variety of lenses, 120-year-old lenses used to see plants with all different perspectives. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was just mind-blowing and the the age of them and everything. So letting people know that's on um, up here in Warburton until the 5th of March. Mm. It's on where the cinema is, that art centre place. Um, So... And I don't know if it, I hadn't heard of it, so I don't know if it's received much publicity. Oh, well, thank so, you for letting yeah, us know um, about it. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I really, I really do recommend it. It's just stunning. I'm deciding, you know, whether I can invest in a piece there. <laughs> um, also, there's pieces for sale. Yeah, the exhibitions for sale. It's been put on. Um, I had a look because I've taken a photo of the the. Um, the brochure. So it's been put on by the council as part of the. Burringer Climate Change Biennale. Okay. Oh, sure. Yes, yes. There's a Put couple of those that. events happening in Alinda too, actually. Mm. And did you right. say it's it's at the, the cinema that's there on the Warburton Strip and the main yeah, street? Yeah, the art centre. And it's oh. like it's an exhibition place just in that same building as the cinema. Thank yeah. You. I wonder if it'll be open so today. That, I might have a look. Mm. Oh, I do. Yeah. I, I, I recommend it. That'd be lovely. Mm. Um, and I like... Some of the same people have got um, worked 
um, on an exhibition in the museum in Lilydale at the same time. So they've got some similar reflections there. Um, But I haven't been to that one yet. I'll cycle down this afternoon and and go to the one in Lilydale. Um, And my question was, um, I live in town and I've got a pomegranate that I bought at a fundraiser at the Children's Hospital. Yeah, right. (laughs) About six years ago and I get fruit and I've got lots of bees and lots of other fruit trees that all have lots of fruit, but I've never had any fruit on my pomegranate. Did, it, did I buy it? I reckon a dad, you bought a bodgy. Do I have to yeah. do something? Yeah, no, I think you bought a bodgy. Mm. Um, if I were planting a pomegranate, I would definitely go out and buy a named clone. Yes. Go out yeah. and there's one called, rather unfortunately, Wonderful, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a good big fruited form with lots mm. of juice in it. I um, find Azerbaijan to be a very good one. Yeah, so yeah, ah, so. Azerbaijan. Yeah, yeah, so go and select a named clone because they're yeah, only and- named if they're going to be good. Uh, oh, fruiting okay. forms with good large commercial value fruit. Um, uh, oh, it's thank like you it, for that. I just kept hoping every year, and then I saw somebody had had a two-year-old pomegranate, <laughs> and they already had fruit. I was like, yeah. Oh no, I've been yeah. waiting. Yeah, look, your, your money was well spent for the children's hospital, but I don't <laughs> yeah, think yeah. that the tree itself is going to be of any great use to you. Yeah, yeah. got yeah, some yeah. foliage and flowers though. Yeah, they're pretty in flower. I, yeah. I like pomegranates as an ornamental plant. I have mm, to say, they are and I've actually yeah. planted one against a. a, a westerly wall um, that I'm going to sort of vaguely espalier up the wall Um, and I don't know how well it'll fruit at Macedon but it's growing well and it's had its first flower this year. And they're nice autumn colour so it might be worth keeping the plant if you have the room. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have so much room and yeah. I, I sort of like prioritising. It's in the food forest, so okay. I'll... Um... Well, donate <laughs> it to someone. Yeah, sell it in another yeah. stall somewhere. <laughs> they, tend, they tend to dig up fairly well, actually. Yeah, yeah. you could move oh, it in right. the winter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. I think I will replace it, but I appreciate um, the thoughts and, um, yeah, temperance, the exhibition up here okay. where it's so beautiful. Thank you so yeah, much, Kat. Oh, and thank us. you for your program. Thank you. Oh, thank we you for we to love you. that you listen and we appreciate you calling in. Yeah. Bye, Kiroki. Bye, Kat. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Wonderful. So mm. it's lovely getting some listeners calling in. Mm-hmm. But we'll now we'll roll on with one of Emmeline's Yes, plans. what a good idea. Oh, you want some more? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, give us more. Yeah. Oh, more, more. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I sort of, got things together but I've got a whole lot of rodanthias and mm. cerachrysums growing in the garden at the moment so I picked a few. Yeah they're just stunning. They are and I've got this a few. kind of like a burnt orange one and a cream one. Yeah well the cream one is interesting because it's it's actually cerachrysum viscosum mm. so like it's a you know it's a variety that grows around Melbourne but yeah, it's, it's a very very light lemon well not even that it's like a, a butter color yes um That's so a better description of it yeah it's it's a butter so it it's a lot softer rather than this really intense yellow which I still love the yellow fields of zero chrysum I was up at um Tolarook on Friday very very hot to be up there I tell you but, <laughs> yes oh my gosh but um the hillside um is just covered in viscosum and it, it it's just stunning you know I mean it's starting to um finish up now they're all getting a bit dry but um yeah but this this buttery color one is quite nice because 
you know, it, it's it's a version you can put in the garden, and it tends to blend really lovely with other flowers because it's not as it's mm. it's not as contrasting. And it's quite simple to propagate too. It's very simple yeah, to propagate, which is wonderful. Yeah, there's so. not much of it around n- native, like naturally. No. So it's good to. Yeah, you know, well, it takes quite a bit of time because mm. um, you know when when you've got viscosum and and you go out to those places where it grows, you know, it's a very clay, rocky outcrop, mm. um, and and it takes years and years for these things to establish. They have a prolific seed, uh, obviously because the viability is lower. Um, but you know, when when you get these these places that have thousands of these plants you know it's just stunning and, and you it, know that the seed has been banking up that's for it years over and years. many years and it slowly um encroaches onto other areas but you know if you wipe that out it's gone but you know having the chocolate lilies and all the brononias and things growing up around it you mm. know that there's things going on and it's nice if mixed in with like wallenbergia the, yes, the butter lo- yellow and mm. the yes. sort of very pale blue that's, mauve yes it's just amazing and that's why i really love this color because it, it looks contrasts it so looks well. so nice mm. and you can just mix it like you know putting that next to that sal- um, salvia that i've got here mm. but um and then i've got i actually got this from the raising rarity event but it's more like it, it's not a rare plant it's just they've made it but it's it was just pretty <laughs> yeah, it's just zero cries and sundays so obviously the opposite of what i was talking about very intense um looks like a sunset um mm. a beautiful flower you, i mean you know i I cut them all the time and I've got flowers that are like two years old, like mm. around the house because I'm a hoarder. I just keep all the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, dried flowers are really handy because when they get terribly dusty, you realise it's time to clean the house. That's, <laughs> you are so right. You are very right because that's what's happened. <laughs> like, so yeah, cool. I can't keep these dried flowers any longer. Yeah. Um, and another one is Rodanthia um, cephala, no, ceph- cephaliforum. Anyway, it's a West Australian variety. Uh, it's a lot more um, ever like it's got a more of a greenish stem. They're very they're more softer than the viscosums, um, and I've mm. got them growing wildly all the way down this little hill. Now, and they're not a single layer of petals, but they're much uh, more open. Yes, and simpler looking yes. flower, aren't they? Yes, mm. and um, now I'm this. These plants are all so I've, yeah. These are in Hoddles Creek, so. You know, it does get very wet um, mm. and it is on slight hills. So they still seem to be coping very well with the water that we've mm. had. That's um, wonderful. Yeah, though I have to say it is on a slope. Mm. So okay. obviously it is so it still does being drain. able to drain. Yeah. Um, but it does get incredibly saturated, uh, especially in the spring and winter months and they've managed to stay alive. So, so yeah. good it's all, for your around your wetlands. Exactly. Like the margins. And that's what I'm trying. And, and like, you know, learning and learning and learning is mm. all you can do. Trial and error, play around. If yeah. you know that they don't, we told they're not working there, give it a go anyway. You never yeah, know. You, you don't. You know, you pe- people know. get so thingy about it. And I always use the attitude that if you're buying a plant and you're prepared to experiment, mm. if you're not spending more than you would for a coffee or lunch out, yeah. um, it's a good investment. I agree. Mm. And you're learning. And you know mm. what? Nothing's better than the health of your brain yeah. keeping yeah. that thing yeah. firing. And yeah. often plants do work despite you. I mean, you can mollycoddle a plant and give it all of the things that it's meant to need mm-hmm. and still kill it. And uh, you can have people who 
plonk something yeah. with no sense of what they're doing uh, and the damn thing will survive despite them. That's right. You know, so, yeah. you know, it's as much a, an art as it is a science, I think, That's gardening. And so you've got to be prepared. Well, it's like my uh, a friend of mine, um, Mel, she, she had um, pelagonians mm-hmm. and then um, she, she got this um, uh, mattress that was donated, you know, the wire mattresses. <laughs> yeah. And it was down the side of the house and she thought, yeah, I'll make that a nice screen. And then she had leftover pelagonians and mm. usually you, know, you have them in full sun. She decided to put this down the sideway in really quite heavily shaded area yeah. and it grew like a vine. Amazing. And it's going all through and you've got these beautiful white flowers. It's And, and it's one of those things. It wasn't the correct way. Yeah. way now, if you it. were doing a landscape for somebody, mm. you wouldn't be game to try and get away with that. And that is so true <laughs> because you're always like, oh, God, everything has to be. Yeah, it has to work. You can't put a landscape in for somebody and be too experimental because, you know, you have to feel confident that basically the landscape will hold together. That's right. But when it's your own garden and you're fiddling and playing and experimenting Mm -hmm. and things, if something doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. That's it. But then Mm -hmm. when it does work and you can put it into someone's going, wow, genius, how did you think of doing that? Well, trial and error. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there you go. No, I think it's really good. Um, And then... As we were talking before, from the same family, but we've got Carimbia um, fissifolia. Now, I was up also near Ararat um, on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and Phil Vaughan's native plants, mm. he does wonderful um, yeah. Carimbia fissifolias. Um, he had a whole lot of them. Is that like Calypso or Well, this one is Calypso. Tangerine. I actually, to be honest... I don't know what this one is because the one that he had, I got this from the side of the road somewhere else because they wouldn't have had them last that long. And this was up near um, Warburton. Um, But he had a range of different ones, Fairy Mm. Floss, Shiraz, Wildfire, um, Calypso. He's got a a range of different ones. And now, you know, he's doing the little dwarf varieties as Mm. well. So they don't grow any more than... 1.5 1.5 to 2 metres. Yeah, they're um, stunning. Yeah, and he had them there for like 15 years and they hadn't gotten any bigger. So everyone will be noticing that these are flowering at the moment. Um, I find that they do look a lot nicer, especially up like the Warburton end of town because you don't have the really hot wind so yeah. the flowers are staying on longer. Um, but, yeah, really lovely flowering plant that the bees go nuts for. Mm. Nuts. Yeah. I found um, there was actually something interesting I visited a client turned friend up at um, Torquay and she has a lot of bees. And a weird thing is happening, and I don't know if any of you have got an answer for this, but they there's a lot of things flowering but not producing any pollen, so they can't, they're not producing any honey. So there's, oh. it's going crazy. Yeah, they had, she has um, many hides, but they're eating the reserves because they're just starving. Oh, but yeah, dear. there's a lot of flowers out there. That the the trees are buzzing, but not not anything yeah. they're getting not any food from. I haven't even uh, been aware of that. So. Okay, yeah, maybe it's been because of too much rain. That's what I'm thinking. Like it's they're just they're doing what they're doing, but not producing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, mm. the plants are too happy. <laughs> maybe. Well, they're, they're not. not they're not now read. that they're drying out again. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. But interesting. Maybe it's just skipped a season of. Yeah. Of, it's an interesting observation to see. Because they're more fertile when they're stressed, mm. you know? Mm. So, Well, they have this sense they need to be. Yeah, they need yeah. to be. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's an interesting conundrum. Mm. In- interested in finding out what, what the cause and of that is. Another one 
mm. is like your Lagostromias. So mm. in some places they're flowering. Mm. In some places they just put it on foliage. Is that them just oh, utilising the year to grow in? Yeah. Yep. They, they, it, it has, we haven't had our proper sort of Mediterranean-style summer. Yeah, it so hasn't hot enough. Mm. And the crepe myrtles are just going to, in lots of places, just going to be leafy. Just they haven't and they may not nice colour. buds, you know. Yeah. They need the heat to get yeah. there because they really pop mm. the yeah. buds. Yeah. yeah. And I – would almost bet money on a lot of them not colouring particularly well this yeah. autumn mm-hmm. because they've been growing right through the summer instead of stopping and flowering. They've yes. got long water shoots. Yeah, of... and that right. doesn't bode well for autumn colour either. Right. So you probably won't get great colour on those this year. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But, it's, look, it's just the season, so there's nothing we've done wrong, uh, nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Um, you've just got to add it to the rich tapestry of life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we do have a lovely caller. It might be our final caller for the show. So I'll pop her on. Hello, Margot. Good morning. Good morning. You're calling in from Abbotsford and you've got a tricky spot in the garden. Do tell. Okay. So it's the southeast corner of my garden Mm -hmm. and it's uh, a two-metre tin fence. It's quite ugly. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe I've lived here for over 20 years and haven't solved this problem. But <laughs> oh I, need, I need a green screen in that corner that will go higher than two metres. Mm-hmm. How much sun does it get in there? Uh, it gets quite a lot. At the moment, it's shady because it's the sun's deep in the I mean, it's low. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, in the day, it's a, a furnace. But um, the is trouble is that the sewer... Sorry? Yeah, there's just an important point. There's a sewer underneath, which has meant that I have this a sewer pipe that goes from the house underground and then it curves in towards that corner and where there's a little um, stink hole pipe yeah. thing. So I, I'm cautious about planting on the sewer because I don't want to. Do wreck you know? Anything. Do you know how much cover depth of soil you have before uh, yeah. the pipe? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. No, I don't actually. No, I think it might be about um, uh, maybe like five hundred mil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, look, it, as long as it's reasonably well covered and as long as the pipe is nicely sealed mm. and as long as you're not planting lay, large major trees, um, mm. most shrubs have a fairly shallow root system um, and if you get something that's got a, a, a fairly tight fibrous root system, it's probably not going to cause any issues at all. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it and certainly you've got to hide that fence it sounds mm, you know exactly. sounds like something you've got to do mm-hmm. um i'll throw a couple of exotic ideas in and then maybe others might throw in a, a couple of potential oh, now I'm you're talking shrub everything. are you no it could be it could be a climber although uh, as i'm getting older managing my ficus on the opposite wall is yeah, yeah. The th- issue with climbers is that they're like puppies. They're not just for Christmas. Mm. You've got to manage climbing mm. plants. So if you did plant a climber, and there's a number of climbers that could do the job. In fact, I bought one in with me that we haven't spoken of, which is the Looks giant like a... Burmese honeysuckle, yeah, honeysuckle. Uh, Lanistra brandiana. Uh, stunning thing, high summer flowering, quite heat tolerant, um, uh, perfumed, uh, and its flowers start off creamy white and they go through yellow to apricot before they finish. So you get this lovely sort of mixture of flower colour through it. Um, And unlike some of the other honeysuckles, it doesn't layer when it hits the ground. So it's not potentially weedy from that direction. And I've never had a self-sown seedling come up, ever. 
so that's a great thing for Linicera. Yeah, Yeah, so I think it's uh, amongst the honeysuckles probably the most benign of them all. It gets large, glossy green leaves. It has the biggest leaf, the biggest flower. Funnily enough, the biggest fruit. It has a a fruit on it that's the size of almost a walnut. And Uh, does it smell like conventional honeysuckle? Yeah, it's got a sort of a a sweet honeysuckle-type perfume. Mm. Um, And if the berries are really ripe, they taste like a gin and tonic. <laughs> We're all, I'm not sure how many of them you should eat, though. I'm not sure that they're good for you, but that's exactly what the flavour's like because I've tried it. Um, so that it's got that sort of like tonic option. Yeah. So you could go down that path if you're, if you're prepared to plant a climber, but it would need a reasonably strong structure to hold it up because it's got big leaves, strong stems, and lots of weight of flowers. So it wouldn't, you couldn't just put a little tiny piece of um, chicken wire on the fence no. or something to grow it on. So no, it'd need, need a solid to get support. Some rebar. I was yeah. going to say, re- reinforce mesh is a really great perfect way. Yeah, yeah you just stick it especially if you're on the like they say usually the ugly facing side of a paling fence if mm. you've got them sticking out you just secure it to those um vertical posts mm. so you could it, go down how that. much would it need? Like, uh, well, you know, I mean, it's a matter of secateurs, really. I mean, it can yeah. grow bigger and bigger and bigger as the years go by. I actually had one growing up through, rather stupidly in hindsight, up through a dead gum tree in my garden at home. And it got to about, in the old measurements, about 30 feet up through the gum tree. Oh, wow. And wow. our house is two stories, so you could look out the top story window out into this a mass of honeysuckle and it was stunning <laughs> but of course eventually the tree's roots rotted because it was dead oh. and when it did come down of course it brought everything down oh, with it insane. so you know there was far more to clean up than there would have been had it just been a dead gum tree but, <laughs> but uh, I imagine a lanissa is quite hardy so you could use a hedge trimmer on it oh yeah you could yeah. hack it back if you needed to although I would allow it to flop out during the summer months so that it, it you'd get these sort of swathes mm. or festoons of flowers coming off it because if you kept it right back against the fence, mm. you're not going to get the same floral effect. Mm, right. So you need to allow it to sort of spill in. So you could do that. Mm. Um, you could just plant. It depends on the length of your fence, but you probably wouldn't need that many if you're willing to wait for it to spread. Mm. And it doesn't take long to grow. So mm. it, in fact, would cover quite a large area quite quickly and it's just a matter of winding it through your... your uh, Rio mesh or whatever you've put up there to grow it on, um, and it would do the job faster than most shrubs would. Um, yeah. So it's so it, would have, it would have cool cool feet. That doesn't and, matter. Um, then in sunshine. Yeah, that'd be yeah, fine. Be fine. So it it okay. sounds yeah, that's, perfect. That's yeah. a good so, scenario. Yeah, so that's one possibility and, and a completely different tack altogether. So that was Lanissera Hildebrandiana. 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 Yeah. yeah, and there's some dispute as to whether it's Hildebrandiana or Hildebrandiana. Um, my books say that it was named after a chap called Hildebrand, which was a guy who was in charge of, I think, the Darjeeling or one of the northern parts of India way back in the days of the Raj. Um, others say it was named after the botanist Hilda Brandt. Oh. So, yeah, so there's some dispute. But anyhow, I'd say Hilda Brandiana. Um, and a completely different sort of way of looking at it, you could plant one of the smaller growing clumping bamboos. They're shallow yeah, rooted. I wonder about that. Yeah, yeah so, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, and they're quick growing as well. And it's a matter of just buying the right one that's going to grow to around about the size you want. Mm. Uh, so some of the Fargesias, there's one called Fargesia rufa that only grows to about 
just a little over two metres. Uh, there's another one called Scabrida that grows to about three, three and a half metres. And then there's one called Angustissima that grows up to about four metres. Mm. Um, so could you that, tell me the name of that scar one? Uh, Scabrida. So it's Fargesia, F-A-R-G-E-S-I-A. Yeah. And it's Scabridus, S-C-R-A-B-R-I-D-A, I think. Okay. That'll I be close enough more to find than it. the two metres just because there'll be a development on the other yeah, one. Yeah, well, look, if you went for Scabrida or even Angustissima, which gets to about the four metres or so, the, the other good thing about bamboos is that there is a finite height they grow to. So then you don't have to spend your whole mm-hmm. time pruning something back that started to outgrow its position because they'll grow to the height you want them. And how much soil do they need? They don't need or a great depth. They, be... they do need reasonable watering, though. But the good thing about a lot of these bamboos is if they get dry, their leaves cool. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. give them a water, about 20 minutes later, pop they back. pop back. <laughs> okay, I love that. Yeah, and I like, I like the that. I like the movement of bamboo. I like the fact that bam- bamboo is 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 sort of got this wonderful sort of movement in a garden which most plants don't have. And so if there's even the slightest breeze, it will move and and and, and sometimes it rustle. Lovely, yeah, really, mm. it's a lovely plant. Yeah, and I'd of course they're clumping. Yeah, I'd recommend red cloud bamboo. They yeah. they stock a lot of good varieties yeah. and probably uh, that's the, the other thing Stephen I would say too. You know, I grow a few of them as well. If you're up at Macedon, but uh, you need to talk to somebody who grows the bamboos yes. and knows their varieties. You definitely if, need a reputable source. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you go to some of the garden centres and things and just buy a bamboo off the shelf from them, uh, uh, it could have a printed label, but that doesn't mean it's going to come true wow. to what the label tells you it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that happened to me with Sestrum. Uh, nocturna when I got Cestrum fetida instead. Mm. So you got the stinky one instead of the nice smelly one. (laughs) Yeah, it took me a long time waiting. Yeah, and I have to say that sort of thing can happen by accident. I mean, no nursery is infallible. I mean, I know there's been times where I've had things under the wrong name or whatever, uh, or sometimes things come into my nursery that have been grown by somebody else, and I have no control over what they do before they send it out to me, so sometimes they get wrongly named. But you hope that most nurseries try their best to have the appropriate name on what they're selling. Mm. Fantastic. Okay. So a couple okay. of ideas. Thanks so yeah, much, Marjorie. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting on in time, so there's only yeah. a few minutes to go now. The time oh. has disappeared quite quickly. It has. We do have one text message. Yeah. Uh, Sue has written in. She says, fabulous program, a great discussion, particularly with your overseas caller. Yes, we are listening, and it's the radio highlight of the week. Thank oh. you all. Oh, that's oh, so lovely, you. Oh, I feel all warm and yeah, fuzzy now. Nice. <laughs> we really appreciate yeah. that, Sue. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Tell and your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, we're not here um, trying to be self-promoting in no. a sense, but we want people to engage with what we're doing because we're trying to impart whatever knowledge we might have. Yeah. And the more people that are listening and the more people who engage with the station, yeah. the better off we all. Yeah, it's a lovely conversation too. It is, and gardening's just fun. Plants are fun. You learn a lot. It's it's just a good experience. And away from all the horrible things that are probably happening in the world. Yeah, yes, the garden is somewhere you can escape. It's your escape. A bit of sweet relief. It is. It really is. Mm. Connects with nature. Yeah, so I will plug the the um, subscription one more time. Yes, call in and subscribe. We'd love we'd love for you to do it. Um, it's forty dollars for concession and eighty dollars full fee, and you can call us um, 
or actually go on the website because it's getting late in the program. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I wouldn't call in just yeah. yet. No. Um, but, yes, look, subscribe. Please do. I mean, yeah. we, we as presenters here subscribe to the station. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, so I just paid mine the other day. And so I paid to have the privilege to drive down here at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I think everybody else should be doing yep. exactly the same thing. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's really worthwhile. One other thing I'll mention is the State Dahlia Show coming up on Saturday the 25th and the 26th of February. So on the Saturday, it's from 1pm till 5pm. And then on Sunday the 26th of February, it is 10am till 3pm. And that's happening at 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley, and that's Mount Waverley Community Centre. It's a so, great venue. Yeah. And there's lots of flower shows that go on down there. All sorts of specialist societies yeah. go down there. Well, um, yeah, because AB had um, a lovely representative from um, Dahlia Society of Victoria last week. So um, she spoke. If you If you didn't listen to the show, you can listen to it on podcast, and she talks about her journey in Dahlia's yep. um, and also just get on down to the show because mm, yeah. I think it, you know, Dahlia's they're wa- are just beautiful. I they're wonderful Dahlia's. cut flowers really like uh, and uh, you can become obsessed by them. Yes. And when you consider that they all started off from just a couple of wild species mm. and there's something like 30,000 named clones of Dahlia's out there. 30,000? Including Dahlia Stephen Ryan. Is there? <laughs> oh, yes, there is. What does that one look it's simple, single, virginal, white, self-supporting and slightly scented. Oh. So there you go, typecast. It's simple. Yeah. I think yours should be like this little rainbow effect. Yeah, well, Beautiful. I was a bit surprised I ended up with yeah, a white yeah. one named after me. But yeah. it's a fantastic dahlia. It flowers. It's the first to flower. It's almost the last to finish. It's a bee magnet uh, because uh, it's a single. Okay. And so, so the, the bees and other pollinating insects love dahlia maybe, Stephen Ryan. Maybe it is a good representation of you because if you were standing there and said nothing, you yeah. wouldn't know but it's what happens around you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right, exactly. Everything. So, yeah, so, and it, it's not regularly available. I think Tim Druitt got some tubers from me at one stage, so there may be some being grown on a more commercial basis than I do, because mm. when it was first named, I was given the world's stock. Ah. So, and it's hit England now. There you go. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for telling us about yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm afraid, listeners, that's all we have time for, but it's been lovely spending this time with you all. Thank you to Emmeline and Stephen for joining me. And thank you to Michaela and Susie for doing the phones. Thank you you to Lizzie Lee for doing our socials. And we really look forward to uh, being on air again soon. Look forward. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.